Chapter Five of Life in a Thousand Worlds. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lizzie Driver. Life in a Thousand Worlds by William Shuler Harris. Chapter Five, Beautiful Saturn. A delightfully busy world next met my gaze. Saturn, supreme in love, with its mysterious rings and its eight moons, now held my attention and won my admiration. This world is almost as large as Jupiter, and its soil is more fertile. The inhabitants resemble us in physical appearance, except that they are twice our size. Like Jupiter, it is enveloped in thick, semi-liquid clouds, which are never at rest. This changing atmosphere causes continual friction of particles, and this serves to produce sufficient heat to counteract the frigid blasts that would otherwise freeze out the whole planet. These atmospheric conditions attracted my attention to a great degree. I estimated as best I could— and ascertained that Saturn receives as much heat from this peculiar atmosphere as our Earth receives from the Sun. As I found it on Jupiter, so I found it here. The human eye is so constructed that it seems to have more than an X-ray power, for it can look through this atmosphere as readily as we can peer through ours. The air of Saturn being so thick, contains much natural nourishment, and the inhabitants are sustained largely by breathing. This reminded me of the manner in which our fish flourish in the waters of our globe. Marvellous indeed are the possibilities of life. I now had before me new problems to solve, for natural laws have but a limited expression in our own world. Here science puts on new garments, but they are all cut in harmony with universal law. Woman is the ruling genius of this planet. Being untrammelled for a few thousand years, she has attained a higher glory than her sex has reached in any world of our solar system. As you scan the honour rolls of Saturn, read in the list of the eminent leaders in science, art and philosophy, you will readily observe that woman has forged to the front. She also sits upon the principal thrones of temporal power. Woman's beauty on Saturn is surpassing. It reaches a higher degree of perfection than any of the myriad types of beauty on this enchanting world. When I first opened my eyes on these scenes, I imagined that I had reached heaven. But, to my chagrin, I soon found the black marks of sin that stain the whole planet. The illustrious inventors of Saturn, living and dead, make a long list which is headed by the name of Veroda, a woman of marvellous intellect. She looked into the mysteries of nature with a shrewd wizard eye, but unfortunately lost her life early in a bold experiment with explosives. However, before she reached her much-lamented end, she had won enough honour to outshine all inventors in the whole history of Saturn. She was the sole inventor of all explosives, and she had learned how to operate them without making any noise or smoke. This proved a valuable aid to factories and quarries, and particularly in the handling of firearms, of which Saturn has a very strange collection. 
Before Verorda was born, the flying machine had been invented and used. But aerial travel was soon abandoned, owing to some terrible accidents that had occurred. During the earlier part of her career, Verorda laboured assiduously until she overcame a few difficulties and thereby perfected the flying machine. It was a day of international rejoicing when her perfect machine sailed over the governments of Saturn. The invention stood every test, and at once air traffic was resumed and maintained. When this woman died, the governments erected to her memory the finest and costliest monument that now stands on the whole world of Saturn. Of course, I went to see it. As I stood studying the poetry of the pillars, I looked overhead and saw one of the immense aerial ships carrying a pleasure party to a distant point. I cannot describe my feelings as I lingered in the presence of the sleeping dust, and saw the imperishable influence of her thoughts still working for her, in a carnal sense, a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Yet, with all this homage paid to Fiorda, I cannot believe that she is more illustrious than the present living wizard of our world, the notable Edison. Fiorda lived and died a devoted worshipper of the great influence, or God, and it is delightful to think that we shall associate with such great minds in our eternal abode, in that broader life where the pure of all spheres gather. Will I do wrong if I quote that sublime beatitude, making it applicable to all worlds? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The written language of Saturn resembles the Chinese character language, only it is much more smooth and more complete. The Shakespeare of that planet is a woman called Zeke Dodd, who has been dead twelve hundred years. Her writings have been quoted and esteemed as masterpieces all through these ages. Her style is singular, resembling the Proverbs of Solomon, with a little more ornament in the language. As to the subject matter, her epigrammatic sentences are grouped and classified with an accuracy that is both pleasing and popular. At intervals the reader is treated with a sprinkling of alliterative sentences. Zeke Dodd shines as an eternal star among the great names of her world. Like Viorda, she was pure-hearted, and possessed fine moral and spiritual qualities. She passed out into that broader life where language is sweeter and thoughts are more holy. In music I notice the most radical departures. The popular home instrument is larger than our organ, and has nearly one hundred keys arranged somewhat like the keyboard of a typewriter. These keys and their combinations are capable of rendering sounds to correspond with every syllable found in their words. A proper familiarity with these sounds is a part of every child's training on Saturn. When one plays on this instrument, every sound struck on the keys represents a certain vowel constant sound. Thus the listener hears the sounds more distinctly than we hear the words of a phonograph. Under such conditions, a musician is capable of interpreting his exact feelings when manipulating the keys. He talks to his listeners with organ sounds. The great poet-musicians can breathe out their inspirations in rapturous melodies. On special occasions, famous musicians are employed to render original selections. 
addresses and lectures are also given in this manner, with very pleasing results. The Saturnites know nothing of the telephone, telegraph, or phonograph, but for carrying messages they have a signal system by which intelligence is flashed from one point to another with great rapidity. Saturn has eight moons, and is surrounded with the rings which have made it famous from the time the planet was first seen through the telescope. These rings and moons are inhabited by a type of human beings altogether different from those that live on the planet, and are distinctly visible to the dwellers of Saturn by means of powerful telescopes. The human beings on the rings are not able to watch their neighbours in space, having no instruments to carry their vision beyond the boundaries of their own peculiar abodes. The most picturesque sight of all the solar system is seen as you stand on Saturn, and watch the rings and the eight moons chasing one another in the heavens above you. The inhabitants of this beautiful world believe that the soul of each god-adorer at death passes out into the spirit-life on the rings, where it will continue in a blissful existence until the final judgment. The religious life of Saturn is officially controlled by men. There are many creeds, each with its own devoted followers. The leading church of this world was not organized until seven thousand years after religious life took a distinctive form. Then a man named Trichy, who was a shrewd student of the times, after a careful study of the weaknesses found in existing religious bodies, and after amassing enormous wealth in business, founded a new church on a neat, practical business plan, which may thus be briefly described in terms and figures of our own language. Trichy had a fortune of two hundred millions, which, by investment, nettled him twenty millions annually. These net earnings he used to establish his new denomination. He commenced operations simultaneously at the capital of each of the four governments of Saturn, and at each place built two magnificent churches, costing one million dollars apiece. It took over three years of our time to build these eight churches. Before one year had expired, he had started fifty other churches in the centres of Saturn's population. These churches averaged and cost three hundred thousand dollars each. Thus the plan continued, ever starting new structures until all Saturn was decorated with the churches of Trichy. Even village edifices costing from ten to twenty-five thousand dollars. So much for the mere outward part of the church, which anybody might create if he had recourse to such enormous wealth. Before Trichy commenced any one of his buildings, he canvassed the whole community for charter members of his church. These were composed of two classes, spiritual and connected. This canvassing was done by the finest scholars that Trichy could employ. Each one was supposed to be the pastor of the community he canvassed. The conditions of the charter membership were easy to meet. All that was required for connected membership was a good moral life and a lip confession of the faith. On account of the superior advantages offered by the Trichy Church, it grew steadily from the beginning. I will here append a few characteristics of the organization. 1. 
the church takes care of all its members during sickness, furnishing a physician and all necessary medicines free of charge. The church owns drug stores and graduates its own physicians. 2. The church has its own salaried undertakers, and defrays all funeral expenses. 3. The church supplies a moral and spiritual education to all the children of its members. This school does a work similar to our Sunday school, only it is held daily and is under a trained corps of paid teachers. For all these advantages, each member is required to give the church one-eleventh of his earnings, and to attend the services of the church and cooperate with the pastor in the advancement of all spiritual work. The church keeps a perpetual record of the attendance and the work done by each member. It required a man of large business capacity to launch such a church with its radically new principles, but Trichy's immense wealth was a powerful force when utilized in this manner. He made every church a strong business centre, commanding the respect of the whole community. Discipline was rigidly enforced. No member cared to be expelled from such a church. It meant going out from under a warm cover at the approach of winter. Fortunately, Trichy was a clean, spiritual man, and strongly urged a spiritual ministry and membership. It can be seen why this church grew so rapidly. In fifty years it became so powerful that it could control, if it wished, the legislation in nearly all the sections of the planet. I have given but a brief picture of this ruling church. It must suffice. I may add that one must not imagine the church services and forms in Saturn to be like our worship. All things are so different that it would take much space and time to describe them. For beauty of natural scenery, Saturn surpasses all the solar system. Its air is of a different composition from ours, and its sky puts on various tints as the day passes, which is a little over ten hours of our time, but it takes nearly thirty of our years to make one on Saturn. The immense mountain ranges present a picture of unusual beauty. The leaves of trees are rich in velvety varieties and the undergrowth appears as if trimmed by skilled hands. This is a desirable place to live, but I learned that the inhabitants of Saturn do not appreciate all this wealth of beauty, in its atmosphere or on its earth, a whit more than the people of our world appreciate the sin-cursed scenery which greets their eyes. End of chapter 5